Greetings in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to each of you, my dearly beloved brothers and sisters. Thank you for coming out tonight. Yes, surely, truly, it is the last great evening of the feast. Amen. It has been a tremendous feast of spiritual blessing. And all the students said, Amen. Amen. Yes. Before I get into the message, I want to take the opportunity here tonight again to express my deep, heartfelt appreciation to the Ellensburg Cascade Valley Fellowship Church or whatever in uh, sending Merle and Judy Flory our way to serve the Lord with MTM. Naomi and I, as the, the director of MTM, based in Chiang Mai, Thailand, are very great, grateful. I know I said it Sunday evening, but I just felt in my spirit, it's, I want to say it again. Thank you for sending them, and thank you, thank you for continuing to send them and support them and pray for them. We love them dearly, and we appreciate the work they are doing. Thank you, Pete, in, uh, for the Lord and in serving with MTM. So we do appreciate them, and we appreciate you in sending them. My prayer would be that we have many more years together. Thank you, and God richly bless you. Okay, now for tonight... Well, there's something familiar. <laughs> the church's great commission. Now, I need to bring all of you along a little bit in light of uh, how this message came. I was planning all week for a total another message for tonight and wrapping it all up. And uh, then yesterday in... In Seattle, some of you heard last night, you students, that Brother Grant Flory got us a taxi, and when he, sh I don't know, where, where is Grant? Where are you? Oh, oh over there you are. You're, you're, yeah. What for app did you use? It doesn't really matter what for app you, he used. And uh, was it Uber? Okay. And uh, when he showed the name on his phone, of the individual that's coming with the Uber, it said, Tahir. I knew immediately that that was a Pakistani man. And I knew immediately it was a Muslim. And I thought, wow, my heart thrilled. I'm going to get another opportunity, perhaps, to speak the Word of God or something from the Word of God into that Muslim's life. Well, God would have it that that's exactly what happened. And I had the, uh, the blessed privilege and opportunity to speak words of, well, I pointed him to the book of life, <laughs> the scripture. Yes, words of life. You could say it that way. Now, you don't know this, but I need to tell you, I've had a burden on my heart for years already for Muslim evangelism. Naomi and I, Spent about six months with Christian Aid Ministries in Banda Aceh, 
in northern part of Sumatra Island, serving as spiritual house parents and leaders when Cam was doing relief work there. So I sat down with many Muslims and had the opportunity to minister to them and really caught a vision for Muslim evangelism. And then furthermore, over the years, I developed a teaching in light of Muslim evangelism to encourage church leaders in Muslim evangelism. And uh, actually, God has taken us to different places in the world in teaching on the cry of Ishmael. And that's going to be the title of the message tonight when I finally get to it. And so just a little bit of a prelude how the message came. And furthermore, in our home region, and I'll tell you more about that, is the refugee capital of the world. That's Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. And they're coming from Syria, Middle East, and they're about all of them have Muslim background. And so I've actually been asked to teach this in our churches in America, in Lancaster County. So you're just going to get a glimpse of it tonight once I get to it. Okay. Now, first of all, though, I told the students that uh, at the end of the session this afternoon, the great work of Jesus Christ in making disciples of all nations is not finished. And Vince, finally I get to Matthew 28. You got there ahead of me. <laughs> this is something Vince and I have going. Matthew 28, we are going to start there. Matthew 28. I'm not even going to read it. I'm just going to skim over it real quickly to lay a foundation. Matthew 28. I call this the four alls of Jesus. Jesus said, beginning in verse 18, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power, all exousia. That's the Greek word. It means bringing the divine influence and presence of the Lord Jesus Christ into the midst of all nations. That's what that word means, and that is the context. All power is given unto me, says the Lord Jesus Christ, in heaven and in earth. Go ye because of the power that God, through Jesus Christ, has invested in his disciples. Go. And what are you going to go and do? You're going to go and bring the divine influence and presence of God, Christ, right into the midst, just like David did. Young people, just like David did. And the demons were driven out. Yes, Joseph, life giver. It's the same thing. But you go and teach all nations. Go and all power given unto me in heaven and earth. Go you therefore and teach all nations, all ethnic people groups. That's what that means. Today in the world, there are 9,805, now this is all approximate people groups, 7.2 billion souls. Of those 7.2 billion souls, there are 3,264 people groups or tribes that 2.9 billion souls that have never heard the name of Jesus Christ one single time. We meet them. But you don't have to go to the other side of the world. 
They are in your cities. They may right be right in your community. They've never heard the name of Jesus. Recently, in effort of Pennsylvania, we found out there was a woman right in the heart of conservative Mennonite people never heard the name of Jesus. Tragic. Of those unreached people groups in all nations, 98% of the world's unreached are in Asia. That's the target region of MTM where we're working by mobilizing and equipping native pastors and leaders to reach their own unreached people. Thank you again for sending Merle and Judy to help us in this great work. Yes, most of the men that attend our conferences can speak from seven to 10 languages, young people, all of us, seven to 10 languages. They are ready to go to take the gospel to their own unreached people groups. All they need is mobilization and equip, equipping and training. And that's what MTM is all about. Now let's go, we got all power, we have all nations, teaching them to observe the all things of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just salvation, yes, salvation, but sanctification, justification, and teaching them to observe all things. And lo, I am with you always, the Lord Jesus Christ says. Amen. Many people ask me, they say, are you sure it's safe in what you're doing? I say, wait a minute. Jesus never promised it's safe. He said, go, and I will go with you. That's enough for me, hallelujah. How many want to go along? <laughs> yeah, I better be careful here. I'll take a many of your young people. <laughs> now, casting a vision, back to the message title, casting a vision for an unreached people group in a global context. Now, you look at those pictures, you know those are Muslim people, right? But in Lancaster County, that's my home region, that's where I grew up, and my wife, Lancaster County is America's refugee capital of the world. That changes the context a lot, don't it? Yes, okay. Lancaster, PA, per capita, per capita, Lancaster County has taken in 20 times more refugees than the rest of the country since 2013. Staggering. My people, our people, most in Lancaster County, don't even know that. But they have been made aware of it now. So, most all of them are Syrian refugees with Islamic roots. Therefore, and that brings me to the title of the message, The Cry of Ishmael. That's the title. Now, I want you to know something. All the pictures that you're going to see, I personally took. That is the Bahatraban Grand Mosque in Banda Aceh, Indonesia. And I'm keeping true to a vow that I made to the Lord in 2006 when we were there. Every Friday, there's 4,000 men go into that mosque approximately, and they bow their knee to Muhammad and Allah. And I said, Lord, it's impossible for a foreigner to get in there. So it was thought until God gets in the picture. I said, Lord, if there be some way you could get me in that mosque on a Friday when it's full of men worshiping, I, 
I make a vow that I will use those pictures to inspire your people in reaching Muslims for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have done that in Egypt. We've done it in Indonesia. We've done it in Pakistan. Those are all Islamic countries. Those are some of your largest population Islamic countries. And I was true, by the grace of God, I was able to keep that vow. And that's what the Lord reminded me of this morning when I woke up. Do you remember that vow you made? You have a lot of my people gathered together. Tell them. So I'm going to take the burden off of my heart of what I heard from the Lord. Is that okay? Yes, okay. So the pictures, you're going to see a lot interdispersed in the PowerPoint. I took them all personally. God did make a way. I went in there, and I took a whole host of pictures and videos, and I have went back over and looked them at them, and God blinded their eyes. Blinded their eyes that I could walk in and take all these pictures. Now, if you know anything about mosques, uh, foreigners are not allowed, but God made a way. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Here we go. Now, to really understand about the cry of Ishmael, we must first lay some foundations about Abraham. Abraham, a man of true greatness in the scripture. You young people remember I started with about how do true men become great men of God. They become great men of God by in their passion to know him and walk with him. That's how they become great men of God. Well, Abraham, a man of true greatness in the scripture. In Genesis chapter 4, 12, verses 1 through 4, Abraham hears and obeys the voice of God. Nobody else at this point of time in this portions of scripture is hearing the voice of God. But Abraham hears the voice of God. Jesus said, God said, Abraham, leave your country and if you do i will bless you and make you a blessing to all the nations of the earth john 10 27 and 28 said jesus said my sheep hear my voice i know them and they know me and they follow you know those verses abraham is an example of that hearing the voice of god Abraham's country was Babylon, which was a pagan superpower and appeared to be religious. Abraham's own father, Terah, I think I'm saying that right, was an idolatrous other God worshiper. You'll find that in Joshua 24 too. Abraham's faith is clearly visible in broad daylight. You don't have to watch Abraham real long. So you will see that he is hearing a voice and following a voice totally outside of himself. Yes, that's Abraham. No man simply came up with the direction and the things that Abraham was doing. He was following the voice of God. Yes, to be blessed. Abraham is the father of all who believe God by faith. You'll find that in Romans chapter 4 verse 12. Faith begins with Abraham. When God wanted to establish what true justification by faith looks like, it, God went back over the law, Moses, and he went all the way back to Abraham to establish the true faith and what it looks like. He said, watch Abraham, and you'll get a picture of what 
our faith needs to look like in following the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, Romans 4.12 says, And the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. That's Romans 4.12. Let's go on. Abraham believed in the unfailing character of God. You'll find that in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. There's a little conjunction word in there in the King James Version. It's in. Abraham believed in the Lord, it says. But I'm making note of that. Abraham believed in the unfailing, faithful character of God. He didn't just believe the words of God. He believed in who said them. God said it, I believe it, and he put his shoes of faith on, and he started walking. And he didn't even know where he was going. Wow. Yes. The character of Abraham's faith. You could see Abraham's faith in broad daylight, and nobody else was doing it either, young people. Nobody else was doing it either. You got a lot surrounding you that are walking with God. Abraham was alone. Abraham believed God and left his country. He went out not knowing whither he went. He gave up certainty for uncertainty. He surrendered the seen for the unseen, all because he heard the voice of God and had faith in the Lord, in the one that said it. Abraham believed God in the face of long de delay, 24 years to be exact. Abraham believed in God amid difficult Difficulties that seem humanly impossible. Abram was a hundred years old and his wife was 90 when they had their first child. Abraham believed God and raised his knife to sacrifice Isaac, the promised son. And there was no promise of another one. Abraham believed in the Lord. And yes, his faith did accumulate. I think it was Vince that said that as he got started. His faith got stronger and God would affirm and then he'd take another step and God would affirm again. And step by step, Abraham's faith came to the place that he could raise that knife. Why? Because his faith was so strong that he believed that God could raise Isaac from the dead. Yes, Abraham believed and raised his knife to sacrifice Isaac, the promised son. Abraham believed that God could raise him from the dead. That's found in Hebrews chapter 11, 19. Abraham had faith in that which was humanly impossible. Now, the blessing of Abraham found in Genesis. I'm establishing this because it will not make any sense unless we first establish the faith of Abraham. And the blessing of Abraham, we also need to understand that. Genesis 22, 17. In thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Yes, he was promised all the land of Canaan. Do you know what Abram ever seen? All that he ever owned in Canaan was a grave. But he believed in the Lord. He believed it. He was promised that his seed would be multiplied as the stars of the heavens and as the sand of the sea. Perhaps the stars of the heavens, the Israelite people, maybe the sand of the sea is the Gentiles. I don't know. Just some thoughts that have been presented to me when I preach on this. Finally, you know how much he ever did see? All Abraham ever seen was one son and two grandsons. 
but Abraham believed in the unfailing character of God. Justification by faith. This faith for you and I is in Christ Jesus. Finally, he had a son at 100 years of age, and then he was told to sacrifice that only son. Oh, Abraham is the father of all who believe. Of course, our faith is in Jesus Christ and him crucified and rose from the dead and, the dead, and because he lives, I can live, hallelujah, and be a life giver. Understanding the Abrahamic covenant, Genesis twenty two seventeen, in thy seed shall all the earth, nations of the earth be blessed. Genesis, I'm sorry, Galatians three fourteen. This was also quoted here at the Bible school. If my memory is serving me correctly, Galatians three fourteen says, "Let's first read the 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 blessing, then let's follow through with Galatians three fourteen. That in blessing I will be bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heavens, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. Now Galatians 3.14. That was Genesis 22.17. Galatians 3.14. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that he might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So this blessing of Abraham, dearly beloved brothers and sisters, comes Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, right down through the line, Jacob's wife Leah and their son Judah to Jesus Christ. And through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. But it doesn't stop there. It comes right into this room, young people, and right into your hearts through Jesus Christ and the Spirit. Amen? Amen. Blessed to be a blessing to who? All the nations of the earth. But where do you start? Home. You start at home. Amen. Let's go on. That's the blessing of Abraham. Genesis chapter 15, verses 7 through 18, God makes a cultural blood covenant with Abraham. That's an interesting study. Those animals, there was some, uh, why don't, uh, see if I have that here. Genesis chapter 15. Let me just uh, get that. Yes, 17 and 18. I'd like to just snag that. There's some very important points here. Genesis chapter 15, verses 17 through 18. I'm going to drop in. You have, let's just look all the way. If you have your Bibles open, look all the way back to verse 6. Same chapter. There's where you have, and he believed in the Lord. And it was counted, God counted it to him for righteousness. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to circle, the, especially you young people, circle that little word in. That little conjunction word is a very important word. What the Bible says is Abraham believed in the unfailing, faithful character of God. God said it, and Abraham believed it, and he knew God could not lie. It would bring come to pass. Now, let's get the, the cultural covenant animals in verse 17, same chapter, Genesis 15, 17. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp. 
that passed between the pieces. And in the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt, the great river, the river Euphrates. Now, let's go back even a little further, and let's look at the animals. Verse 10. Actually, it's 9. I'm sorry. Yes, verse 9. And he said unto him, God speaking unto Abram, Take me an heifer of three years old, a she-goat of three years old, a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Bible readers, knowledgeable. What are those animals? Quickly. Those were the temple sacrifices. And of course, so this promise here, that's exactly right. This promise here is a covenant promise that God was going to send a blood sacrifice, his son, his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, promised to Abraham. Okay, now, and the smoking flax, the burning furnace and the smoking flax, I wanted to get that too real quickly yet. Genesis 15, God's covenant is, that's in verse 17. Behold, a smoking furnace, God the Father, and a burning lamp, the Lord Jesus Christ. Perhaps. Something to think about. A burning furnace and a, a lamp, too. God the Father, perhaps, and the Son went through that blood and made the blood covenant. Perhaps. I'm not saying for sure. But we need to move on. But after that blood covenant promise, a covenant with Abraham, look what Abraham does. Genesis 16. Abraham made some mistakes in his walk of faith. In Genesis 16, we find right after God made the covenant with Abram, the blood covenant. You know what Abram does? Rather than go in, obey God, Abraham obeys his wife instead of God. And Abraham takes Hagar to wife. He goes in unto her and she conceives. And then in Genesis chapter 16, Hagar is an Egyptian bond slave that came up out of Egypt with Abram. And we find in Genesis 16, let's go there now, the character of the son that is about to be born. Genesis 16 in verse 9. Let's drop in there. Here we have Hagar is with child by Abraham, and she's fleeing from Sarai. Follow me carefully. So, she, yeah, she's fleeing, and God, she's crying out to God because she's fleeing from Sarai. Hagar is fleeing, and God shows up. Verse 9, and the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress and submit thyself under her hands. I have heard with my own ears Muslims saying that's the meaning of Islam. Submit thyself. Of course, they're thinking Allah. That's the meaning of is Islam right there. It's in the Bible. Submit thyself under her hands. Now, verse 11 same chapter. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shalt bear a son. And thou shalt call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard 
thy affliction. Right here, catch me. God has blessed Abraham to be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. Hagar is with child from Abram. Follow carefully. Thou shalt call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction, or the Lord has heard Hagar's cry. She's running here. Listen carefully. Seven times God names children before birth in the scripture. No less than seven times. Whenever God names a child in the womb, it's a very important time in the heart and the mind of God. Ishmael, here's the first one, Genesis 16, 11. We know Isaac was named in the womb, Genesis 17, 19. I'm going to give you all seven of them. Solomon, 1 Chronicles 22, 9. Josiah, 1 Kings 13, 2. Cyrus prophesied 173 years before even born. Isaiah 45, verses 1 through 7. Give me one more, quickly. One more before that. John the Baptist, yes, thank you, and Jesus, they're both correct. John the Baptist, I had chosen Luke 1.13, and Jesus, Luke 1.30 in verse 33. Very important time in the heart and mind of God when he names a child in the womb. So was Ishmael. Verse 11, same chapter, and the angel of the Lord, yes, I'm not sure why that's in, oh, yes, it's, and I want you to see something else here. Ishmael's name means God hears. Remember the title? The cry of Ishmael. God hears. Here, Hagar is already crying for Ishmael, and he hears. God hears. And that's exactly what the name Ishmael means. God hears because the Lord has heard thy affliction. That's in verse 11, Hagar's affliction. Now, verse 12 yet, it says, And he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man. And every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his children. Question. Muslim people. Is that true? It's in the scriptures. It is true. God prophesied it. Very important points here. Very important point. Let me just reiterate them. Islam means submit thyself. And he's named before birth, and Ishmael's name, name means the Ishmael's name itself. Ishmael means God hears. And then, of course, verse 12. Let's move on. Look at Hagar's response as God comes and ministers to her. And I'd like to suggest to you as she responds here, and she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou God seest me? Hagar's running from Sarah, and Hagar said, Thou God, you see me? It's like Hagar's response to God, oh, you care about me. You care about 
Ishmael in my womb. That's what I see here with Hagar. God cares, and she knows it, and she responds, Oh, you see me? You care about me and the baby in my womb. Let's go on. Ishmael's birth, Genesis 16, 15. So God has made a covenant with Abram. I will bless you, and through you all the families of the earth will be blessed. We already looked at that. So here's the point. Everything we've learned so far, because Ishmael is fathered by Abraham, God is obligated to bless Ishmael. Amen? Now, I'm not talking about in the birth lineage of Christ. It's not what I'm talking about. Please understand that. It's not at all what I'm talking about. You'll get the picture as we go along. Yes, there is a blessing that God has because God has blessed Abraham to be a blessing to all the families of the earth. God cannot lie. He will be true to his covenant with Abram. Okay. So this is very interesting to me. After Abram went into Hagar and she is now with child, with uh, Ishmael, and Ishmael is born. Look at this. This is staggering. It does not seem like that big of a mistake for Abram, but it was in God's sight. Remember, Abram is walking by faith. He's hearing the voice of God. Now, Genesis chapter 16, go to the very last verse. Look carefully. Actually, let's drop in at verse 15. Now Ishmael is born, and Hagar bare Abram a son, and Abram called his name, son's name, which Hagar bare him, Ishmael. And Abram was fourscore and six years old, or 86 years old, when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abram. Now jump over to verse 17. What does it say? Caleb, read it. Can you read it? And when Abram was 90 years old, from 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared unto Abraham, Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Thank you, Caleb. Now, if I'm doing my math right, all of a sudden, God was silent for 13 years. Is that right? You see, we read over those things and we quickly can miss it. Ab God went silent because Abraham did not obey the voice of God. Abraham had just, God had just made a covenant with Abraham. And then he went into Hagar and bare Ishmael and God went silent. It's not a small thing when we walk by the Spirit and hear the voice of God to disobey. Let's learn from Abraham, young people. It's huge. It's huge. God went silent. But eventually, God spoke again. And then when he spoke, he renewed his covenant with Abram. I'm not sure. Many things there. But it's very noteworthy. Thirteen years of silence. Abram had no direction. Let's go on. But God did renew the covenant with him. God reestablished his covenant with Abram and promised Abram that the covenant son will be with his wife, Sarah. Ishmael is not the covenant son. There will be another son. Yes. Now, look carefully here in Genesis 17. God changed both their names. God breathed his breath of life. Here we go. 
life again, breath of life into Abram. You'll find in verse 5, Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham. Abraham. Breath, life, breath, life. Same for Sarai. You'll find that one in verse 15 and 16. Same chapter. And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai, thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but her name is Sarah. Let me do it like this so you get it. Abraham, <laughs> breath, he breathed into them. It's a very important point. Remember the day of Pentecost? How was the Holy Spirit evidenced? He came as wind and fire, life. I'm not saying about the Spirit, but God breathed life into Abraham and Sarah. You can't say that without a, a breath. Try it once. You can't. Very significant. And what happened right after this? Two, Genesis 21, 2 through 3. And Sarah conceived, he breathed life into Sarai's womb. And Sarah conceived and bare Abraham Isaac, the covenant's son. Now let's go on. Did you want to write some of that? I'm still working with these young people. The rest of you are just coming along. I'm sorry. Some, many of them are writing, and I want to make sure they get it. Okay. Genesis 17, 18. After Abram heard that, uh, let's just look at that. Now I'm going to drop in at verse 15. I already read that. Then it, and, uh, and Abraham said, God tells Abraham, Ishmael is not the covenant son. And Abram said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And so here we have Abraham, who is a tremendous intercessor. He knows how to channel blessing from God to others. And he channels blessing from God to Ishmael. He has a magnanimous heart, a big heart to bless others. He had many times channeled blessing to others, and that's what we've been talking about, channeled life to others. And Abram cries out for Ishmael. And God hears. So now we had Hagar cry for Ishmael. We also have Abraham cry for Ishmael. Remember the title, the cry of Ishmael. So Abraham is crying for Ishmael. Genesis 17, God responds to Abram's cry. Verse 18, I already read it. Abraham said, actually, it's uh, verse 20. That's a wrong reference, sorry. And as for Ishmael, God says, I have heard thee. Ah, behold, I will bless him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall be begat and I will make him a great nation. So here we have a very important point in the cry of Ishmael. God hears. What's Ishmael's name? God hears. God hears. Here Abraham is crying for Ishmael. Hagar has already cried. She'll cry again. Now let's go to Isaiah 60. And this is the reference that I gave to hear. Isaiah 60. Listen carefully. Here's God's promise. God prophetically promises the light of Jesus Christ to all the Arabian nations. Verse 1, 
follow me. Arise, shine, for thy light is come. Most Bible scholars believe this is God the Father speaking to Jesus Christ. I would like to suggest it could also be Jesus Christ in you, speaking to you and I. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. We've been talking a lot about that. Yes, it would be upon thee, young people. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light. Precious promise. The Gentiles are going to come to the light of Jesus and kings to the brightness of thy rising. Lift up thy lies around about and see. All they gather themselves together. They come to thee. Thy sons shall come from far and thy daughters shall be nursed at thy side. Sounds very prophetic of Jesus Christ speaking to his son. But it could also be Jesus, God the Father speaking to Jesus Christ in you. Rise, shine, let your light shine. Then thou shalt see, then shall flow together, and thy heart shall fear and enlarge, because the abundance of the sea shall be converted unto thee. The forces of the Gentiles shall come unto thee. This word forces, God is getting very specific when he speaks prophetically. The Gentiles that are going to come to Christ. The forces here literally means a people that are Barbaric. Jihad. That's exactly what it means, brothers and sisters. Follow me carefully. Yes, the, multi, the multitude of camels shall co cover thee. The dromedaries of Medan and Ephah and all they from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and incense and they shall show forth the praises of the Lord. Who are these multitudes of camels and dromedaries from Medan and Ephah? Let's get verse 7. Yet all the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered together unto thee. The rams of Nobias shall minister unto thee. You can just see that God the Father is talking to Jesus. These people are going to come. We'll see in a moment who they are. And you can also just, and they, sh they shall come up with the acceptance on mine altar. And I will glorify the house of my glory. And let's just stop there and grab verse 11. Therefore thy gates shall be open continually. They shall not be shut day and night, that men may bring unto thee the forces of the Gentiles. Ah, men shall bring unto thee, unto Jesus, the forces of the Gentiles, and that their kings may be brought. Who are these? Let's look at it carefully. Isaiah. Here Jesus is speaking, uh, God is speaking about the most gospel unreached nations of all the world coming to Christ. Let's look at it. The multitudes of camels shall cover thee. The dromedaries of Medan and Ephah, all they from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and incense, surrender their lives, sacrifice unto the Lord Jesus. And they shall show forth the praises of the Lord. We need to figure out who these people are. Amen. It's prophetic. Here we go. These are the six sons of Keturah. Abram's wife after Sarai dies. They are the fathers of all the Arabian nations. Write it down. If you're taking notes, you can go read it later. You'll find those names in the list of the six sons of Keturah in Genesis chapter 25, verses 1 through 3. The names are right there. A prophetic promise. They're going to come and show forth the praises of the Lord. What a 
That's what I was speaking about, uh, Grant. I hope this T, T, he can figure it out. Let's go on. Yes, the Arabian nations, 22 nations. Those six sons of Keturah are the fathers of all the Arabian nations, 22 nations spreading from the Atlantic all the way to the Indian Ocean, all the way across northern Africa, Egypt. Israel is sandwiched right in the middle here. You see who those countries are. Now watch the next slide. What's unique? What do you see? They are all what? Islamic. This is an exceeding precious promise that they will come. The, all our Islamic nations, sons of Ishmael through the prophet Muhammad, all want the Jewish nation of Israel dead. The core issue of the Middle East problem. Abram, one mistake. But it went through the hands of God. He allowed it. Must have been his permissive will, but certainly not his perfect will. Maybe, I don't know, I'm, I'm not God. Yeah, let's go on. God promises, God's promise of the light of Jesus Christ to all the Arabian nations. I, we just looked at it. God's promise of the light of Jesus Christ is in the next verse, to Ishmael himself. Isaiah 60 now, verse 7. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered together unto thee. The rams of Nebaioth shall minister unto thee. Notice thee, God the Father, speaking to his son, Jesus. Same Christ that's in you. Same Christ that's in you. Same Christ that's in you. Amen? So it could be to us. Could be. Nebaioth and Kedar, the first two sons of Ishmael. Write this down, Genesis 25, 13. And these are the names of the sons of Ishmael. You can, why don't I just go there? Why don't we just get it to make sure that uh, 25, verse 13, Genesis 25, 13. Says this. And these are the names of the sons of Ishmael. By their names, according to their generation, the firstborn... Of Ishmael, Nobiath, and Kedar, and Abdeel, and Mibsham. And we could go on and on, but we don't need to. It's right there in the scripture. This is a precious promise of blessing of Christ coming to sons of Ishmael. Ishmael, the biblical origin of the Muslim people, Muhammad, the prophet of Islam is a direct descendant of Ishmael through his second son, Kedar. Muhammad supposedly received revelations from an angel whom he believed to be Gabriel. This is the origin of the Muslim holy book, the Quran. All goes back to Ishmael, second son, Kedar. Let's go further. God's promise of the light of Jesus Christ is to all the Arabian nations and the Muslim people. When God promised the light of Jesus Christ will come to the Gentiles, he was specific, he was focused, and he was purposeful. Here I want to give you an encouragement. In your missions and evangelistic outreach, write up a mission statement. 
who you're going to focus on. Now, I already gave you some ideas, especially you young people, you start at home. But whenever I do a missions conference or anything with missions at a three-week Bible school, I get all the students to write up a mission statement in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, where I'm going to focus and what I'm going to be available for. You may already have that, but I really encourage that. That's how God does it. When he said the light of, the, of Jesus Christ is going to come to the Gentiles, he was specific in this account, sons of Ishmael and all the Arabian nations. And they, to this day, are the most gospel-unreached nations in the world. Most gospel-unreached nations in the world. Genesis 25, 17, 18. Their dwelling is in Assyria. This gets really interesting. 25, 17, 18. Genesis 25, 17, 18. Let's get that. Talking about Ishmael. And these are the years of the life of Ishmael, 137 years. And he gave up the ghost and died, and he was gathered unto his people. And his people, they dwelt from Havilah unto Shur, that is before Egypt, as thou goest toward Assyria. And he died in the presence of his brethren. Assyria today. Modern-day Saudi Arabia, the home of Mecca, the holiest city of the sons of Ishmael. Mecca, the holiest city of the sons of Ishmael. Mecca is the most sacred city. Every Muslim in his lifetime wants to at least make one, if at all, pilgrimage, if at all possible, to Mecca. Every year, more than two million Muslims make pilgrimage to Mecca. Staggering. That's the, the casting out of Ishmael. Let's go to Genesis 21. Genesis 21 yet. Let's drop in at verse 8. I'm going to drop in at verse 5. You can follow me. Genesis 21, verse 5, And Abram was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. And Sarah said, God has made me to laugh so that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, Who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah would give him children suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. Now verse 8, And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. So here's the picture. It's the, a weaning celebration for Isaac. At this time, Ishmael, and there's people there, and Ishmael is now a young lad, approximately 16 to 17 years of age. And verse 9 says, And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian which she had borne unto Abram, mocking. I suggest to you that it's very likely that Ishmael was mocking Isaac. See that in verse 9. Sarah, in verse 10, demands, Wherefore she said unto Abram, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. Verse 11. 
And the thing was very grievous in Abram's sight because of his son. Now, I want you to get the picture here. Abraham has loved his only son for all these years, perhaps 16, 17 years. This thing is very grievous for Abram because Ishmael was his firstborn son of his old age. You can find that in Genesis 21, verses 11 through 12. I just want you to grab the snag, the, the picture here. And it's also grievous for God that it's grievous for Abraham. Finally, Genesis 21, 14 and Abram rose up early and in the morning took bread and a bottle of water and gave it unto Hagar, putting it on her shoulder and the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered into the wilderness of Beersheba. Finally, Abraham casts out Hagar and Ishmael. I want you to get the picture of the cry of Ishmael. Ishmael is abandoned by his beloved father. To this very day, I heard it with my own ears. God is not, Allah is not a loving God. Muslims declare that God is not a loving father, but rather a God of judgment, a God with a big stick that just wants to hammer and punish the people. They actually declared boldly that they had failed Allah, that's why the tsunami came in 2004, December 26. God was judging them. I heard it with my own ears. When you try to explain to them they don't understand the true God, they couldn't get it. It was very hard for them to get it, that God is a loving God and a God of love and not a God of judgment. He is, but not at this time. Ishmael is rejected of all the promised blessings, the firstborn son, double blessing that God had promised Abraham and in descendants. I'm convinced, I'm sure, God had told Ishmael all about the double blessing, the birthright blessing, Canaan's land blessing. How do I know that? Well, that's not that hard to figure out. Just uh, uh, look at Genesis 21, 25. Genesis 21, 25. God says about that's not what I want. Well, well, let that go. Where God says, I know him. He will command his children after him. Well, let it go. Yes. So, Ishmael is rejected of all of those blessings. And he's cast out. Now let's get to the, continue the cry of Ishmael. So now we have in Genesis 21, 15, as Abraham sends out Ishmael and his mother Hagar, verses 15 and 16. And the water was spent in the bottle, and she cast the child under one of the shrubs, and she went and sat her down over against him a good way off, as it were a bow shot, and she said, Let me not see the death of the child. And she sat over against him and lift up her voice. And she wept. Let's just say she cried for her son, Ishmael. We have at least three cries so far now. 
for Ishmael. And Hagar's crying again. The church, the bride of Christ, like Hagar in many cases, has turned its back on the sons of Ishmael. Come with me to Indonesia. The Christians there, I could tell you a story, but it's going to take too long. Here's one province of Sumatra. It's called this province of North Sumatra. Of North Sumatra. One province north, not far at all, is the province of Aceh. Aceh has two million strong Muslims. And the province of North Sumatra is primarily the Bactanese people, and they're all basically Christians. Many churches all over the place. Banda Aceh, no churches. I go there. I teach this. I teach this. And when it's all, they, have, they said, we don't do evangelism amongst the Muslims. We're afraid of them. I promise I teach this to them. And by the time that the, the conference is over, the pastors are on the floor weeping and sobbing. God, we have failed you. You have promised a blessing to the sons of Ishmael, and we have failed you. Now we understand that there's only one way for this blessing of Isaiah 61 to come to the sons of Ishmael, and that is through the bride of Christ, that church of Jesus Christ. That's the only way Isaiah 61 can be fulfilled. God has promised prophetically it will happen, and we have failed. And by the time that conference was over, the pastors were begging God to send them one province north. Hallelujah. But this is symbolic of what much of Christendom has done. Indonesia, basically the same thing. They're, they have neglected in Muslim evangelism. Just like Hagar turns back on Ishmael. Genesis 21, 16. Hagar with her back turned, let me not see the death of the child. Symbolic of the church's attitude towards the sons of Ishmael. And I suggest to you it's primarily world over. I'm just giving you the way I've seen it. The cry of Ishmael. Hagar is crying. Let me not see the death of the child. She set him over against him and lift him up. And she wept, and God heard. That's what it says. I'm reading first verse 17. And God heard the voice of the lad. He's also crying. The voice of the lad, it says. An angel of God appeared. So she's crying. She's crying. What is she crying for? What is the lad crying for? And God heard the voice of the lad, and the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said unto her, What aileth thee, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. The cry of Ishmael that uh, didn't want to stop. You know, it. Uh, how many of you have heard that? Raise your hands high. Okay, quite a few of you. Praise the Lord. I am here. It's an analogy. You see, Abraham has cried. Hagar has cried at least twice. And here Hagar and the lad 
are crying. The cry of Ishmael is for living water. Living water, brothers and sisters. Here Hagar is turned her back on Ishmael, and he's dying. He has no water. And the cry of Ishmael is a cry for living water. And the church, who has the living water? We do. Jesus Christ is the living water. We spoke about that. The cry of Ishmael. Allah, I don't need that noise. I can. It's a cry for living water. I've heard it so often, and my goal here tonight is, I think God's goal is to, when we hear that cry, we recognize it's a cry for living water. When Hagar was crying for the lad, Ishmael, the water was there all the time. She couldn't see it. She was blind to it, and so it is. They are blind to the living water. And they don't see it and they don't hear it unless the church of Jesus Christ, who is overflowing, I trust, with living water, drinking and rivers of living water are flowing unless we go and we open their eyes to the truth of the gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ. They're crying five times a day. This goes on world over. Where's your nearest mosque? Is there one in Seattle? I don't know. You don't know either. I don't know either. But you don't have to go to those Arabian nations, dearly beloved. These people, the God, the people that God promised, going to bless them through the Christians, through you and I. They're in your cities. I know they are. I met one in Seattle. They're there. We have a, and I'm casting a vision. If God will, bring living water the Muslim people. Don't neglect them. Don't turn your back on them as God leads you. Practical applications. Our conservative Anabaptist witness advantage among the sons of Ishmael. These are photos that I took inside. Number one, the sons of Ishmael put strong emphasis on men as leaders in the home, the family, and the community. And the men are the breadwinners of the family, with women being keepers at home. Isn't that our strong appreciation? We have an advantage with them. And all these things I learned in sitting down with sons of Ishmael in Indonesia and other places. Number two, strong advantage that we have amongst the sons of Ishmael. Our appreciation for differences of gender roles among along with modest dress and head coverings for the women, which is also the sons of Ishmael's strong appreciation. Just back in Christmas time, last year, Christmas, we were in West Columbia, South Carolina, and my family, they were taking a walk in the park, and I sat down on a bench to meditate, and it wasn't but a moment there's a Muslim man came and sat beside me. You see, God will bring them to us if we have a heart to reach them. And we started talking, and I started sharing some of these things with him. And he said, Mister, there's other people have tried to preach Jesus to me, but you have an altogether different approach. I love your approach. I just wished I had more time to listen to you. He promised me he's going to get a hold of me, and he's going to ask me some more questions about Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, it never happened. But we have a heart for them. We pray about it. God will bring them to us. It's what happened yesterday. 
that that wasn't coincidence that was God yes number three strong family units with great value placed on children okay which two minutes over and units that bring great value placed on children is another advantage we have among the sons of Ishmael that's John he was a village chief he lost all his daughters in the tsunami he just wept the loss of his daughters. Only one was spared. John and I spent quite a bit of time together in Indonesia. Yeah, I was a younger man back then. 2006. So strong appreciation. Also ours, amen? Godly families, strong families. Number four, love for hospitality is another witness advantage point with the sons of Ishmael. They love to be social and are very much a people of hospitality. And that's also our appreciation. When we were in Indonesia, we often evenings went to be into Muslim homes and spend time with them. We were invited there. Opportunities to witness to them. Number five, committed and dedication to the faith is also a great strength among the sons of Ishmael. When one finds the living water of Jesus Christ, he immediately becomes a committed evangelist among his people. This is Ludric, and this is Ali. Ali was a strong evangelist amongst the, the uh, Achenese people when we were there. Ludric was also, they were born again, and they were evangelists to their own people. Very effective. There's strong dedication when they find the living water to bring it to their own people. Find, last but not least, could it be that God has called us as conservative Anabaptists into his kingdom for such a time as this, to open the eyes of the sons of Ishmael to the living water of Jesus Christ. I shared this with you. I felt led of the Lord to do it clearly to inspire you. I hope somehow, by the grace of God, it inspires all of us to not neglect the sons of Ishmael in evangelizing in our end evangelistic efforts. Father, we thank you. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name tonight as we hear the cry of Ishmael, whether it's by recording or at a mosque somewhere, even here at home, that our hearts will be moved to pray for them and be willing to take the living water to them. Thank you, Lord, that you have a strange confidence in your bride of Christ to witness and evangelize and bring the gospel to all people, groups, and nations. But Lord, help us tonight. The focus of the message is not to neglect the sons of Ishmael. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name for their salvation and that the church of Jesus Christ today, right here under the sound of my voice, would catch a vision in outreach to all nations and all ethnic people groups, near and far, starting at home in our own cities and communities, to bring them to Jesus Christ, bring living water to them, drinking of Jesus Christ, and then out of their hearts flowing rivers of life, bringing living water unto a lost and dying soul and folks today, and especially the sons of Ishmael. Bless the people in Jesus' name for this work the great continuation of the work that you have for the church today. In Jesus' name, amen.